Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. And I want to give a very warm welcome to Eric Holtzclaw. Eric is the founder and chief strategist of Liger Partners, a full-service marketing firm focused on guiding businesses to find their identities and core values, craft their visions, and establish their brands. As a serial entrepreneur with nearly 30 years of experience and a knack for founding companies, his startups have included one of the first profitable internet enterprises and a company that appeared on the Inc. 5000 fastest-growing list three years in a row. As an author, Eric has contributed to magazines and online publications, and he wrote the book Laddering, Unlocking the Potential of Consumer Behavior. He's also a host of the Claw Podcast, where he interviews business owners and entrepreneurs to discuss their insights and expertise. Today, Eric and I are going to be chatting about how businesses can dial into their own identities and develop unique personalities that enable you to stand out. We'll learn what works from Eric's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses just miss the mark. Eric, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, first of all, I love the fact that your company's name is Liger. And can you explain where that is? What is that? So Liger is a combination of a lion and a tiger. And the movie Napoleon Dynamite, it's his favorite animal. And so uh, we we are named after Napoleon Dynamite. We have a lot of Napoleon Dynamite-isms within the company. So one of our conference rooms is Tater. The other is Tot because we love Tater Tots. So there's a lot of things that you'll see if you, if you work for the company that fit in there. But we formed the company by combining two companies. So we combined a company that did strategy and one that did execution. And we were bringing those companies together. It being a marketing firm, we wanted something that stood out and was a little bit of fun. And so someone mentioned Liger and that moving to Napoleon Dynamite, you either love it or you hate it. And so that's how marketing should be anyway. <laughs> and so we thought that would be the perfect name to use for the company because we're a combination of both. So we look at a company from a strategy perspective and then decide what kind of tactics need to be in place to execute against that strategy. Now, what I love about it also is the fact that you are a brand identity maker and you have actually created something that's very visual and that has a pop culture reference, which ties into my whole world with Hollywood branded and movies and TV shows. So thank, it's awesome. So really good job. Uh, but what I'd love to start off is how did you get here today? Well, interestingly, so we talk about this brand. So I've, I'm I'm a relatively boring person from this fact that I'm a recovering technologist. So early in my career, I ran development shops. So I went to school to get a computer science degree and figured out that then I was going to sit behind a computer every day. And I was like, oh, that would be terrible. So never have programmed for my living, but I know how to talk to geeks and you know get them to do things. And so first part of my career was sort of techno geek, running development shops. And then I started a research firm. Because what we when we were first building technology, it was very hard for people to use to know how to use that technology. So you got things like usability studies. And I really fell in love with users trying to use the thing that you created for them. And so I had a, the opportunity to start a research company and ran that research company for about 10 years. So that's kind of the middle of my career. And then I swore I'd never start another company and started doing operational work for some you know, CEOs who had founded businesses and trying to help them scale. And they kept handing me their marketing departments as part of that process. So they're like, hey, while you're here running operations, could you also run our marketing department? And I was like, 
sure. So I ended up getting the operations working and I'd had like six or seven companies, marketing departments. And my long-term assistant was like, you realize this isn't a consultancy anymore. It's like a company. You have to understand it's really a company. So I merged my business with another, we formed Liger. So if you think about early part of my career is technology, middle part of my career is understanding your customer. And marketing today is a combination of technology and understanding your customer. So it's a very good fit for the world. I'm not uncomfortable in the you know technology conversations and I'm not uncomfortable on the side of like, well, what's a message that's actually going to resonate and tell a story to the customer that you want to, uh, you want to reach. And so when you're working with a new company, how do you, you know, peel back those onion layers of figuring out where to dive in and get started with identity and where you need to actually build that framework of technology and marketing out? And that's a good good way to look at it. So it's always the first thing first. So we want to come up with what their identity is and what is their authentic identity. It doesn't mean that they can't be aspirational. But you have to start with where they are. So you'll have a lot of companies who are like, oh, we want to be this thing, but they're not that today. So how do we get them there? We need them to really own and understand who they are and embrace it. And so we have a proven process that we take them through. It's very similar to uh, them going through an M&A process, so merger and acquisition. So we send them a list of things we want, like... Who are your best customers? What do your sales look like? And we like dig beneath and peel the onion back and just understand the business at its core. Uh, we have a set of activities we take them through uh, with these cards to figure out what you know words they would use to describe the brand and how they define them. We talk about macro and micro trends, all kinds of things that don't really feel like brand necessarily, but they start to give you a feeling for what the brand, like if the brand were to walk into a room, what would it look like? How would you describe it? And that is based on the people who work for the company and the way that that company shows up in front of its customers and talking to their customers if they have them, because if it's a M&A activity, maybe their customers are new, right? So that allows us to put a, a skin on top of the brand. Like this is how we describe it. This is what it looks like. And this is how it can authentically show up in the world. Doesn't mean it's not taking voice lessons to become a singer at some point, but today maybe not a great singer, right? Like if you use an analogy of a skill set, it doesn't do because we've all seen that inauthentic brand, right? Like I'm here in the South, we got Chick-fil-A and Chick-fil-A likes to say my pleasure They're, and they mean it authentically. Anytime you get something from a Chick-fil-A person, you know, they're saying that authentically. Uh, we've all seen brands that tried to pick that up and just say it because it sounded fun and they did not do it correctly, right? So that's an, a definition of a company not really picking up a brand identity that's appropriate to them. So we have to get them to understand it. And then we build something, hopefully, that has a visceral response. So we want something that people are going to pay attention to because if you don't see the brand, the company just kind of disappears. And from there we can start to build the technology because the technology changes like all the time. And so it's just really what roads are we going to put this brand on top of? How's it going to get out to market? Where are its customers? And so those are the things that you start with last. A lot of companies start off with, oh, we need to go off and build this technology stack and da, da, da. No, you don't. You need to start off with who are you? How do you show up in the world? And then how are we going to, to bring you and put you in front of the customers where they are? Yeah, I think a lot of brands make that as one of their number one fundamental mistakes where they think so much about selling the product, they think so much about making the product or the service or whatever it might be, 
and they forget about their positioning and how they're differentiating from competitors because at the end of the day, we all buy things that we like or that resonate with us or that have meaning, not just the fact that, oh, look, it's a cool, pretty bottle. Absolutely. And we primarily work in B2B and B2B companies. And so those are harder to define a brand. They still need yeah. one just like a B2C brand. But I use B2C examples because people understand them. And right. so- one of my favorites is in my research company, I had a business partner. He and I were the same age, owned about the exact same amount of the company, made the same amount of money, the whole thing. He was a diehard Dunkin' Donuts guy and I was a diehard Starbucks person. So neither one of us would go into the other place, but we were basically the same demographic. But the way that that brand spoke to us, the way it showed up in the world, one was more appropriate to him and one was more appropriate to me, even though demographically we look exactly the same. And so that's what brand does for you is it, it makes a definition of, oh, would I work with that company or not? Am I going to be represented the way that I expect? And that's that's really the, the tip of the sphere on the marketing side is to make sure you've got that defined well. And I always love when I'm having conversations about B2B because it also touches into the service industries and it touches into agency world. So I always glean lots of helpful information or things that make me think about my own agency during <laughs> these conversations. Yeah. Um, so when you're working with someone, what's the first step? You know, I, besides you've gotten a laundry list that you've given them of a discovery and done a deep dive and you've put them through some, um, you know, fun games or tasks to get, open their mind and get it flowing a little bit more so that they're not as rigidly thinking um, in the way they were thinking before they actually hired you. Uh, so what's the next step after that? What do you do? So marketing, you know, we all saw the show, you know, the breaking, I'm sorry, not breaking bad, uh, uh, Mad Men. So I'll talk about how- I'm just going to just say you're my favorite guest right now because like all of your references are pop culture from Napoleon Dynamite, which I worked on. I had Blackberry and some other brands that we did some behind the scenes deals with. And then with Mad Men, I did, I established Canadian Club as Don Draper's drink of choice. That was me. Nice. Yes. So nice. keep on going. <laughs> okay. Well, I tell people that marketing is not Mad Men as much as I'd like it to be, as much as I'd like it to be the Don Draper days, it's more Breaking Bad. Yeah. And the difference is in Breaking Bad, you have to make the best meth and you have to make it over and over again. And it's formulaic, right? And so you think about the big idea, you know, Don's like, I can only sell one idea. And he was, you know, all this stuff. And that was how it was. Nowadays, it's about making the best method, making it over and over again. So do you create the best content, the most compelling messaging? Do you pull me back over and over again? Not because you're expecting me to buy immediately, because I am not going to. But because you're staying in front of me, I'm eventually going to convert. And conversion could just be that I'm letting you a little bit closer into my ecosystem. I've given you my email address or my phone number so you can text me, something like that. So as we think about marketing, the next step is, you know, putting them into this formulaic approach that's going to fit within the world that they want to impact. And so that world can be different if they're going to be on LinkedIn versus TikTok, or let's say that it's, you know, maybe a CPG brand that, you know, things are going to happen on store shelves, things like that. So, you know, it's all well and good to come up with a big idea, but if you don't also then execute it behind the scenes and understand that it's going to take a long time and you have to be consistent over that period of time, you're not going to see the result. Like I've, I've had so many companies that we work with, you know, like we put out a LinkedIn post and nobody called us. No, they didn't. And they're not going to, right? It's going to take months and months and months for us to get to that place. So if you think about marketing, we don't, we don't take clients where marketing is an emergency. 
So like they call us and they've got a product and it's launching in a two weeks. We're like, we wish you called us, you know, three to six months ago because we could have assisted you then. But at this point, you're a little too far. Like as long as you're willing to launch it and then be okay with the fact that it takes a little bit to get that slow burn. It's more true on the B2B side because uh, on B2C, it's transactional, right? Like I can run a sale, I can do something, but B2B, the decision is incredibly dangerous. If I make a bad decision, I could get fired. I could you know, look bad in front of my boss. I could have us adopt a piece of technology that everybody hates. So you I have to be spend very- a lot of money and have it go nowhere. And go nowhere. So thinking about it from that perspective of being a long, it's this is a long-term relationship. <laughs> so <laughs> they've got to be in it for the long-term. So you mentioned a moment ago, you know, LinkedIn and a moment before that you were saying content. Is that the number one way that you suggest building an identity is generating your own content and getting it out there? Or is that just part of the ladder that you're creating? It's part of it. And with all the stuff, it's kind of, we're talking to each other at a very interesting time because we have, you know, chat GPT and all the artificial intelligence coming on the line and people who are switching from using Google to now chat GPT potentially to do their searches. I was reading the millennials use our generation always on uses TikTok for most of their search. Like, so the only way to show up in any of those places is to create content. Because if you're creating what I call a catalog website, so a website that just lists all the things that you do that I could probably figure out just by the name of your company in a couple sentences, you've lost the game. But if you're educating me on how it works and why it's important, how to use it, you know, think of all the, you coming from sort of an entertainment background, like all these great shows we love to watch where people are trying to survive out in the middle of Alaska or dirty jobs or any of those kind of things. That's the kind of content you need to create because we're human beings and we B2B, B2C, it's H to H. It's human to human. So how can you tell me a story? How can you tell me something authentic? And Google and these artificial intelligence tools that are coming on the on the scene, they all provide greater credence to those types of solutions than they do to just the, I don't care how much your whatever costs or what the features are. Don't care. What does it do for me? I'm going on a total tangent here, but so I decided to dive into chat GPT and we had actually been using something called Jasper, which is exactly the same thing with a big price tag on it for a right. number of years. And it really helps, you know, hone in on social and content and um, language. And I don't think chat GPT really does anything differently so much than it, but it feels like there's some different things to it, but I unleash this on our whole team and have made it a mandate that they actually use it on an everyday basis to hone their emails, to help them write blogs that they do for our agency because we've been writing since 2012 every day of the week and have a ton of content. Uh, and it's it's amazing that I can say I'm a pretty good writer, but what ChatGPT can do when I put my writing back into it is either F the hell out of it beyond belief <laughs> or come back with something that I'm like, wow, this is like I had a professional editor hone in and fix this. And so the, yeah, amazing. The, yeah. We watched the movie throw mama from the train this weekend. Yes. And so in that movie, and I don't remember what the name of his character is, but uh, Billy Crystal's character is trying to start, he's trying to start his book. You know, he's like the night is the night is, or the night was or whatever. And at some point mama's like, sultry right and in chat gpt world that doesn't exist anymore because you just like plug it in and it comes back and gives you some options and that's what i've seen it as it's a great assistant right yep. like 
never tired. It's available when I get up at three o'clock in the morning, sometimes with insomnia. And it went down me. last night at about two in the morning, by the it way. It did. Yes. I was trying to use it at three o'clock this yeah. morning. So yeah. yeah, there was a um, national global actually outage. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. So, but it, Except for those occasions, it's like the it's the coworker who doesn't complain, yeah. always comes back with a better idea, you know, whatever. So good on research. It's insane on like insane. not so much stats necessarily will come up with it, but so good on research. Yeah, that was we signed a new client and they were using a platform, I'd, an ERP platform I'd never heard of. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've never used this platform. I don't know anything about it. And I was two or three weeks away from the discovery session. And so typically I would assign someone on my team to go and like, go find companies that use this. Give me yeah. a little, I want to understand it. Typed it into ChatGPT. like 25 seconds later, I had 10 companies, how they used it, what they did with it. And I'm like, I now know where this thing fits, right? And yeah. that would have taken so long to do before. And, you know, it really should be an easy thing to pull back, right? I'm pretty sure I just saved our team 20 to 30 hours last week because we needed to put together a potential places in Florida, Texas, and Los Angeles for a photo shoot for a new emerging alcohol brand. And they needed like iconic locations in each of those cities and good hotels. And, and literally just with I had the name of the locations, why they were iconic, where the best photos were from there, what's their phone number, what's their address, like insanity within a couple of hours, a formal presentation that I would have had two people at least working on, and then we still would have had mistakes. Yeah. And you, and the thing about, cause there's been, I, I wrote an ink article about this a week or so ago and I talked to a researcher. And so we're talking about this, you know, and the ethical boundaries and the la la la. And I'm like, well, I really see it. We're still the ones who are making the decision. We have the feelings, like we know emotionally if something's going to fit or whatever, but it gets rid of a bunch of the work that we've had to rely on people to do, which is what we do, right? Like you make robots screw the tires onto a car now, because that's not something that people should be doing on a regular basis. Like I don't, these things exist. They're things that I could go look for. And then I have to provide some kind of um, intelligence on top of it. So it's been very interesting. One last point then, but you talked about, I've used the Jasper platform too. What I found in the chat platform, chat GPT platform over Jasper and some of the others is, is incredibly forgiving as to how you ask the question. Yes. You can ask it in so many different ways. Cause I don't think I Google the rest, the way the rest of the world does. Mm-hmm. So I always get back weird results, but I can ask chat GPT and it comes back and I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted you to do. And I don't think I asked that question in a good way. I know. And I've been teaching our team. I literally, I'm telling you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday in team meetings, we have a, what did you learn from chat CPD this week? Um, and we had one of our employees come back to us and say, you know, I was telling people that, you know, we're doing chat GPT and this is how we're like shortcutting emails and how we're starting our blogs that we're writing and we're doing research. And they said, doesn't your boss get mad at you for cheating? (laughs) And I'm like, hell no, no, bring it on, (laughs) cheat more, save more time, be more efficient. Yes, yes, yes. Well, and that's what they, you know, they talk about like, well, chat GPT, get rid of jobs. It will not. The person who knows how to use ChatGPT will get rid of your job, right? Like the innovator, you know, and that's that's always been true. Every tool, this this very much reminds me. I get excited about this because I was part of the internet wave, and then of course we had the smartphone wave, and this like this wave, and the pandemic was a little bit of a wave too because it changed a lot of our buying behaviors. But anytime something comes in as disruptive as this, it's just like, oh, cool. What are we going to do next, right? Like, what's this going to look like? So it's a very interesting and for it to 
caught on as quickly, right? Like it was like nothing. And then all of a sudden everybody's talking about it. They're trying to figure out what it is. So I'm, I'm hopeful it's going to make the, I'm, I'm at my house. So, but you know, Alexa ain't so great at some of those. No. So Alexa sucks when it comes to asking her questions and chat GPT, like I talk to it, like, like in my head, I have words like seemingly I talk to myself a lot. I'm one of those crazy people, but I just let the words come out through my fingers and type them out. And I, it's having a whole conversation with someone who was almost as smart as me, more smart than me. I don't know. It's, it's kind of amazing. Well, it's a nice, it's the nice balance because it's the stuff that you really don't want to do or have to do. Cause like, seriously, that to find out that ERP system, eight hours, it would have been eight hours of work to get all that back. And I got it back and I was like, moved on to the next thing. I knew exactly how to position it. That's all I needed. I didn't need the eight hours of work. Like that's just a waste. It's just a rework of something that's been done before. It just didn't live in the place that, you know, I could get to it easily. So it's pretty exciting. Well, we're testing, I will get us off chat GPT in a second, but we're testing it right now because as I said, you know, we do three to five blogs a week for, that come out from our agency. And I'm, I have an alias that's going on right now. That's all chat GPT. Cause I want to see on the back end during a little test, how does Google over time, you know, look at that content? Does it serve differently? Does it deliver the same impressions? Is it being optimized in a different way? Is it this SEO tighter in some way? And I'm very interested to see how the AI blogs that we write that are, I'm still the one behind writing and making them at least from my brain, but they're AI versus what the rest of our content is and how it differentiates. And that is going to be a really interesting test. Yeah. The monitoring of it is going to be over the next 12 to 24 months as people figure this out, it's going to be really interesting to see as, and even as, you know, Google's changing to GA4 and all this stuff is happening right now. So it's also, so this is like a really good kind of bringing this back for some people who might be listening, why you should lean into a marketing firm, because it's not a set it and forget it type problem. Like this is not accounting. We don't like run the books once a month and look at the PL. Like this stuff changes on a dime. Like we were having a huge meeting internally over content last week about what we've been telling our clients versus what we're going to tell them, you know, and you just can't keep up with it. If you're inside a company running all the politics and trying to figure out how to get the budgets approved, you need to have an outsider who comes to you just like your stock. Like I think of it like the stock market. Like I have my, my financial advisor and his job is to move my stuff up into the right, you know. So when you move it up into the right, we ain't got a problem. As soon as it drops off to the to down, you need to tell me what's going on. And so thinking about your marketing partner that way and making them challenge you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I steal clients from marketing agencies all the time because they say, yeah, my last agency would ask me what they should do. It's like, no, and, but that's a big team. thing. Like even with, when we have new team members coming on board and training them and maybe they come from a lot of times we'll hire people from different industries and different backgrounds. And that's a mentality that people come into the agency world thinking that they're still going to be at a company and being told what to do and that they're going to take direction from someone else. And there's a big flip that you have to do. And everyone does not fit in this world of agency life by any means because of it, because you have to be innovated, grab the bull by the horns and run with it and test things and think ahead of what the client's going to ask you for and provide that solution before they even realize there's a problem. Yeah, large and in charge. You got to be yeah. like, you got to walk. And that's what the client's looking for. That's that's why I do like the Liger brand, because it is, a you know, it's a powerful animal and it doesn't. Lion tiger, come on. 
right? Exactly. So it's like, get your roar on. Right. <laughs> People want to hear what we think. They want to know what the opinions are. That's why they're bringing us in is to look at it from that perspective. So, yeah. So that would be a marketing mistake is when you've got people sitting around a table trying to decide what they think marketing is and they haven't talked to their customers. They haven't leaned into what's going on in the industry. Marketing is just, a, it's a it's a very dynamically changing and responsible for so much across the company. You know, it's not in like this little box. So it's a, it's a crucial point. And some people who are kind of prior 2008, I would say, mm-hmm. see marketing as like this siloed activity that brings in leads. Like that's what the job is. And it's just not, that's just not the job. No. Okay. So back to you, no more chat GPT, even though I love it. And it's just so fantastic and everyone should be signing up for it. And by the way, one thing to test, if you are someone who is a big writer is, and that you've written for a long time, I can say, for example, write a blog in the voice of Stacey Jones of Hollywood Branded about X. And I swear to you, it quotes me because I have so much stuff on the con- uh, on the internet already. And it sounds like me when it writes. It's insane. That is a good tip you just gave me because I have 160 something articles on ink. So, mm-hmm. I'm, so I should try to try something similar. I haven't it's tried amazing. That. Like <laughs> my husband figured it out. <laughs> and I'm like, really? It doesn't. Well, well, we we were talking. We'll do one more, and then we'll shut up. But we're working with a client who sells um, its constru- construction insurance, mm-hmm. boring, right? And so I was in the office, and they were trying to come up with another headline for an email. And I was like, "Why don't you ask ChatGPT?" And they're like, "Well, it just comes back with generic stuff." And I'm like, "Well, I just don't think you're asking the question right." They're like, yeah. "We want it to be like a pun or something." And so I said to ChatGPT, "I said, rewrite this email title using a construction pun." And it came back with like 10 choices yeah. and they were amazing. And so it's just, you just got to tell it what you want it to do. That's <laughs> true. You just have to be smart enough to figure it out. Yeah. So back to you and you're working with these companies, you're helping them because you are smart enough to figure it out on how to differentiate. What do you do next? Like what, you know, you've gotten dirty, you've gotten their information again, you're, you're figuring out the technology, you're figuring out marketing side. Where do you encourage them to go? So, I mean, it really, it depends. The answer is in consulting, it depends. So we're looking at the marketing ecosystem overall and making sure they have kind of the the cornerstone pieces in place. So, you know, is their website functioning correctly? And is it a magazine, not a brochure? Can we really pull people there? Because you can do all this marketing and if you don't have good endpoints for people to show up, you don't have ways of measuring and it's just sort of fluff. You don't know that you're really going to be able to kind of, you're not going to be successful with it. So I look at it, I feel like I'm a, a, a house builder. Like I'm looking at the house, like, does it need to be renovated? Do we need to tear it down from the, to the studs and start back over, you know, build all the right things. So the systems are in place, they're modernized. They allow us the flexibility to pivot. So when right. something happens and what those things look like, and then we we're putting a, a it's a boring calendar in place. So this is what's going to happen over the next 12 months. Here are the, uh, lightning events, like things that we want to hit to make sure that we're really kind of, you know, you're snowballing up to a lightning event. So you're making sure your brand's in front of people that they're seeing it. And then you get to something that's a big deal and you use that as a way to launch, but also making sure the other mistake I see companies make is they'll do a webinar or they'll go speak somewhere and they get done with that. And then they act like they're like, oh, thank goodness that's over. And I'm like, 
yeah, that's just the start. Like now you have the content and you should never be, ends, never ends. Like that's just, that's not days last that's day first. Right. So how do we take that and then turn it into blogs and social and all kinds of things, because you're trying to create a flywheel. So the more that you create, the more flywheel and knowing that content isn't about when you publish it, it's about how it performs over time. So we really do have to get, you know, what can you do today that your future self is going to thank you for? So as a brand, what are you doing today that's six to nine months from now, you're going to be like, I'm so glad we did that six to nine months ago. And that takes some patience. And I, I steal that from my daughter. She's the one who told me one day, she's like, oh, my future self thanked me for something today. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, yeah, I did this thing four months ago and today it paid off. And I'm like, and that's exactly how marketing works. So I'm always working in my role in the company. I'm a strategist. I'm about the future. Where are we headed? And then building enough railing behind the scenes such that we're supporting that, right? Because if we, we if you just talk about the future, again, Liger strategy, and you're not executing against it, then it's just a it's a lot of fluff on a on a whiteboard or in a piece of paper, right? So we're then executing against it and continuing to monitor and shift and adjust and make sure we're hitting that client's key objectives. Yeah. And those key objectives could be as simple as people knowing their name to actually converting business, right? Like having someone pick up the phone and you know, call them as a qualified lead and ready to move, move forward. So, yeah. Well, to me, content marketing, creating your own content in that terms of that is probably the smartest thing you can do for your brand of anything. Because as an example, 2012, started writing our blog, came up with it as a way to respond to questions people had. So I would have a sales call with someone and they wouldn't know A, B, C, D, E, F, or G on the topic. And I would go away and I, you know, I used to spend tons of time running emails and explaining it and going back and forth and I'd shoot it out to someone and I'd find that consistently I'd go back looking for my old emails, so I could just copy it and send it out to them again. And instead I started writing, I'd have a conversation, I'd write a blog answering their question that they had and post it, backdate it, total liar here, backdate it like a month, two months, whatever, and then send them out to an email with a link and say, you know, our conversation the other day made me think of this and I wrote something about it and wanted to share it and say when I wrote it, but I just backdated it so it didn't look like I was the crazy nutto that was writing based off of a phone call at three in the morning. And from 2012 to 2023, we're over 2000 blogs now from doing that. There's no competitor in our space in entertainment marketing, pop culture, product placement, celebrity endorsements, influencer marketing, just throwing it all out there right now. That's what we do. There's no one in our space who can compete against us content marketing wise. We get, I get calls from around the world for massive PR opportunities. We get brands who consistently sign with our agency and pay what leads into multiple millions of dollars based on the fact that we did this content marketing. So when you're talking, you know, when you're sitting here and you're itching and thinking about you're having to spend and invest time in something that you don't think that necessarily is going to pay off anytime soon. If you're in it for the long haul, it is going to pay off. You just don't know when. Absolutely. And thinking about like, so I, I wrote an ink article, I think in 2012 called 10 simple marketing tips. And now I don't, I wasn't really even classically a marketer at that point, like whatever. 
And I don't know that I even think of them, but when you Google 10 simple marketing tips, it's one of the first articles that comes up. And that's from forever ago, just because of the way that it was written, where it's at, the side authority it has. So all of those kind of things are are the way and and picking something like you picked entertainment market. Maybe I should have done that. I would have enjoyed my wife would have preferred me do that because she loves all the entertainment stuff. But we're in the boring space of B2B. So we talk about insurance and we talk about fintech and we talk about med tech and we talk about manufacturing. But but here's the glory of your love of pop culture because we should talk about all of your boring B2B that you're talking about because Breaking Bad, that meth lab needed actual real equipment. It needed real B2B usage. You know, yeah. when you're watching Driving Miss Daisy, when you're watching Thelma and Louise, which is really what I was going for right there, and she hits the car and you need insurance, there's your insurance plug. Right. All you have to do is name drop at that time. So you can make B2B sexy. Well, and, and our mission statement at our company is saving the world from boring, broken marketing. There you go. And B2B marketing is either boring or it's broken or it's both, right? And it doesn't have to be like, that is the thing. Like always when we come back and we do the discovery sessions, we'll come back with some choices. So we're like, okay, we've done all this. Now we're going to come back with, you know, three to five ways that we would activate your brand in the market. Like this is how it would look. So what we would change, you know, it could be a campaign, it could be a change to the brand overall. And we're always pushing them, pushing the envelope with them. We're like, you need to do this because this is a visceral response. You either hate it or you love it, but you're going to talk about it. And if it's just that boring, you know, victory is only that, that that comes to the victory of those, like those posters or a picture of a data center looking off into the horizon. I'm like, just don't do it. Just don't do it. You might as well not do it. It's just noise. Nobody cares. Let's do something that's going to be fun and interesting and that people are going to pay attention to. But Eric, on that note, how for people to pay attention to their marketing, if businesses really want it, can people find you? So we are at ligerpartners.com. And so ligerpartners.com, you can check us out there. I'm on LinkedIn, of course, as Eric Oldsclaw. So you can find me there. And that's probably the place I'm connecting the most. I'm I have a big following on Twitter, but Twitter is in such a weird place that I'm on there sometimes and sometimes I'm not, but you can also find me on Twitter, but LinkedIn or go to the website, ligerpartners.com. At least your Twitter still has a following. When they did the little bump change on Twitter, I lost thousands and thousands and thousands of people for some reason. And I still don't know why, because they were real. (laughs) (laughs) LinkedIn is a really solid, good place that seemingly does not have that die off. Yes, I know. Try to figure out what night, because we always suggest to people to be on two platforms because you don't own the platform. You never know what's going to happen. And yeah. I'm doing some on Medium. I'm trying to decide what my second platform should be. I'm not a TikToker. I don't think that I'm a TikToker. So anyway. Well, that video content is so easy to turn into more content. Yeah, true, true. So it might be on your horizon of learning how to do some TikTok that does not involve dancing. <laughs> yeah, though my daughter's always like gets angry at us because she's they know how to do the selfies really easily. Yeah. And where I was like, wait a second, hold on, whatever. She's like, oh, come on, people, you could have taken five selfies at this point. I'm like, not me, I could have taken one. But anyways, yep. and then there's the no shot, the up shot, the down shot, the oh my god, my face is off to the side shot. Why do my eyes look in that direction? There's yeah. something that people who are younger are just blessed with naturally knowing how to look good on a selfie phone. That's right, absolutely. 
So any last words, I could keep on talking to you forever, but any last words that you would share for B2B marketers who really want to figure out how to revolutionize their businesses? So B2B marketers need to understand that marketing is important, that it is essential, just as essential as it is in the B2C world. And they're typically not spending enough in that category, If and sometimes not anything at all. They just don't think that they need it. And that's that couldn't be further from the truth. So if you're, you've, you've got to do something in the marketing category, and it's not just about external messaging, it's also about internal. So um, I rarely see B2B companies spending enough on marketing. And I realize that I run an agency and that we want to make money, but I'm true. Like they just don't spend what they should in that category. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us and talking and, and um, letting me talk about chat GPT since that's my new thing that I think is new going to take over the entire world shortly. Yeah. Uh, but really enjoy chatting with you. And I agree the importance of B2B and marketing is insane because you're still, as you said, the H to H factor. You're still trying to resonate and bring in a um, connection to those that you're selling to. If you're not able to do that, why should they buy from you? Right, absolutely. So, thank you so much. Thanks for your time. And to all of our listeners today, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. In case you can't tell, love chat GPT, but beyond generating your own content, if you're ever, ever interested in finding out how you can get into other people's content, like my little name drops um, that I was doing with Eric, product placement is a phenomenal opportunity for whether you're a B2C or a B2B brand. There are real world scenario situations that replicate themselves on screen that could use your brand to help them become a little bit more real and a little sexier. So reach out to our team, happy to chat. And until next week, have a great one.